This is podcast one of five of the ACCA strategy series. Welcome to the Humanize the Numbers podcast series. Leaders, managers and owners of ambitious accounting firms sharing insights, successes and issues that will challenge you and connect you and your firm to the ways and means of transforming your firm's results. Businesses with a really strong sense of purpose, you know, it's been proven in, in numerous studies that they grow exponentially faster than those that are just commercial led. I think, you know, a, a better way to describe it might be um, a North Star. You know, it's always there. It's in the sky. If we're ever in any doubt about where we're going, let's find the North Star again. And and it then provides a really interesting reference point for decision making. Is it worth the time, the effort, the energy in talking strategy in an accounting firm? Well, this was a question posed to me by ACCA. So on this podcast, you'll hear Douglas Aitken, a colleague of mine and I, talk about the core elements of strategy and how those core elements can deliver a true return on investment to you and your firm. Let's dive into that discussion now. Okay, this time of year, Paul, often thoughts turn to planning, uh, resolutions even, in a new year. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of people think about planning their year and what they want to achieve and whatnot, um, which leads us to thinking of strategy. But I want to focus on strategy in relation to accountants in particular. And, you know, why do most accountants avoid talking about or doing anything about strategy? Why is that, do you think? Well, uh, cutting to the chase right at the beginning, Douglas. Um, I think partly because uh, the connotations of strategy are um, impractical. You know, it's, um, it's a talking shop. Lots of words, um, lots of uh, chat, uh, no action and uh, no return on investment. So, you know, a strategy is almost seen as an excuse to waste a load of valuable time and money, therefore, in... Okay, what might seem to be important topics, important subjects, but because ultimately the output, the outcome of that strategy conversation is maybe a document that gathers dust and doesn't actually influence the business and generate a return on investment. So I think that's probably um, the primary reason. I think maybe also um, there's um, a lack of clarity as to what, uh, what, what strategy actually is. And you use the word planning. You know, planning's a, 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 as, as good a word as strategy, uh, albeit sometimes has a different time connotation. So I, if I, I bounce a question at you, Douglas, uh, s- strategy, what sort of time frames are we talking about when we talk strategy? Yeah, in, in my head, um, Paul, I, I think about a time frame of about five years or so. And and there's a reason why we choose that. Um, I think, you know, if if we go to a, a timeline that's less than five years, um, people start to, th- especially accountants, start to think uh, incrementally or even in quarters. So say we went for a three-year time frame, and in most accountants' heads that equates to 12 quarters and tends to lead us towards incremental change, um, when in reality... Um, you know, strategy can sometimes involve dramatic change, which sometimes lends itself to a longer time frame. Now, 
let's be clear, 10 years is too far. Anything can happen in the world in, in 10 years. But five years feels far enough away for, um, for, uh, for, it to, you know, for us to imagine dramatic changes and, um, and, and allow our brain the freedom to uh, fix some of those issues. But it's also close enough to make us think, yeah, that's still within the, the normal bounds. Um, so, hang on a second, Douglas. So th- this, th- a five-year window is almost, uh, um, what's the phrase, uh, uh, beyond the pale for accountancy firms, particularly if, for example, as we were recording this in January, they're in the, you know, they're in the thick of the blood and bullets of um, self-assessment season. Um, you know, to contemplate a five-year time frame just seems implausible, Im- impractical. Is, isn't the, uh, there's got to be a, a, another way of looking at this that um, gets any business owner, never mind an accountancy firm owner, to contemplate a five-year piece? What's the, what's the payoff? What's the pitch that works out uh, and, 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 and shows that a five-year window is the right time frame? I think there's two um, elements to that, Paul, and and it's an interesting point. You know, for for businesses um, who are not used to thinking strategically, um, sometimes giving a, a time window that that allows them to open their mind is important. Uh, so hence, moving away from, you know, the the relative short term, anything up to you know three years or so, and moving into a, an area where, um, where yes, there might be discomfort, um, but also it's far enough away to give us a, a different perspective on things or to allow us to see things from a different angle. Of course, one right. strategy is um, in place. Um, you know, a lot of businesses tend to refresh every year. So it's not then... Refresh what, sorry? Re- refresh their strategy. Um, right, okay. So have a have a good look at things again, and just assess. You know, is this still valid? Um, and and go through you know the, the exercise, but in a different way, acknowledging that there is a good strategy in place. Does it remain relevant? Does it acknowledge the the trends that are going on about us? Does it acknowledge the challenges and risks within the business and the environment in which we operate? And is it still fit for purpose? And and if that's mm. the case, then. The refresh exercise um, tends to to be very straightforward. But going back to the five-year window, Paul, it can be daunting, I think, when we look at it, if we imagined a blank sheet of paper. But I think it's also important to acknowledge that there are tools um, and, and techniques that allow people to anchor themselves, to envisage the future, to you know, to acknowledge trends, for example, and just to um, cautiously dip their toe into the, the future, have a look at you know what it might look like, and acknowledge that within their business model. Hmm. I think uh, what uh, what I see, and 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 I know it's worked for my business as well, is that I'll go, well, I've got some goals for the year um, with a bit of a long term, longer term perspective. Um, and I think you, 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 I think you made the point about uh, that's sort of a, an, an incremental. This is where we are now. What do we bolt onto what we've got in order to um, change the business, as opposed to a five-year window where you're going, hang on a second, start with to use your phrase that blank piece of paper. What do you want it to look like at the end? Well, it's, it's um, a good point, um, actually, Paul. So I guess the question um, f- for you is, you know, how how has that 
five-year window impacted on your thoughts on strategy? Oh, because you've actually oh, gone okay. through it in, in terms of your own yeah. business. I have, and you know, interestingly, I've, uh, I've 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 set I've started every year in business. Been in um, this is our fourteenth year at Remarkable Practice, and I've started every year with some very clear goals on what I want to achieve personally and for the business in that year, um, and and sort of ignored that strategic piece up until recent times, and now we're looking at, and it's not just me; it's the whole team are looking at a five-year perspective for the for the business, um, and it's. I'm tapping into um, a greater zeal for, for the business than I've actually had for quite a while. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not known for being uh, unenthusiastic and unenergetic, um, but I'm actually tapping into a, 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 a deeper pool of um, uh, motivation and enthusiasm that I've, than I've had for a while, partly because um, I know where I'm going um, and partly because um, I've... Um, I've set goals and not achieved them so many times, and you know I'm, I'm sure lots of people listening to this will be in the same boat. Um, and it's sort of I've concluded it doesn't matter. It, it, you know it, that bit doesn't matter. It's the fact that you've got something worthy, you know, to chase. Now one of our values, and I'm going to pose a question to you in a minute, but um, you know we've been very clear about the uh, behavioural values in our firm for since the get-go, since we started. And we've got you know three core values: uh, be wholehearted, uh, do worthwhile work, and do stuff that's worthy of notice. And uh, I look at what we're doing around the five-year strategy for remarkable practice, and all of a sudden there's that that uh, it's more worth it feels more worthwhile than it did before, and it's certainly worthy of notice more than it was before. And as a consequence, I've tapped into um, that resources have been even more wholehearted than I was before. And I think it's not just me. I can see that coming from the team as well. Can we explore um, that a, a, just a little bit further, Paul? Because I'm, I'm interested, and I'm sure, um, you know, any listener, um, you know, that, that's tapping into this just now has a, a real picture in their head right now of Paul Shrimpling on juiced-up Duracell bunnies, uh, batteries <laughs> rather, which is quite an alarming <laughs> <laughs> but what's <clears throat> you know tell, tell me what's behind that increased zeal what's changed um the, you know in in terms of that planning process that brought a different energy um i think it's um a greater sense of confidence and certainty that uh, a we're on the right path and b we're uh, we're, we're likely to get somewhere near uh, you know, we're, we're looking at, um, you know, I'll be quite open about it. We're looking at a business that's um, five times bigger than it is now in five years' time. And it's like, that's just almost ridiculous. Um, and, yeah, but what if it's only double? Well, if it's only double, that's, you know, that's still pretty good mm. in a five-year window. And so there's the, the numbers part of it, but it's not just the numbers part of it. It's the um, the the humanity of uh, and that is tapping into um you know our core purpose if you will the you know humanize the numbers is connecting people to numbers numbers to people in such a way that it means more and actually what's happening for me is it means more to me than it did before partly because it's clearer than it was before and and actually i can see a path to achieving it mm. You know, people talk about a strategy about being vision and goals and, and, and values, and, and, and those things are important, but it's not enough. You know, vision, values, and goals are just, you know, they're crucial cornerstones of strategy, but not enough. 
Um, so, you know, the, we're posing and answering, you know, a, a number of questions with those things. But just having a goal, just having a vision isn't, isn't enough. You've got to have a, a route map. And to answer your question in short, what I've got, the, the reason I've tapped into Greater Zealand Energy is because of the route map. Now, don't get me wrong, it feels uh, almost ridiculously ambitious, <laughs> um, almost, um, but it, it is. Uh, so is it overambitious? Well, other businesses have grown faster than the one we're planning to grow, so it, other people have done it bigger and better than we have, so why couldn't we do what we've set out to do? So. Um, yeah. And it's um, and I think and it, and it's strategic. It's not just about me. Yeah. And Kate, the, you know, the owners of the business at the moment. It's uh, it's about the whole team. You know, can we tap into um, the Greater Zealand energy from the team? Now, I've just read some uh, research from um, a very large Gallup study across 182 countries, and across those countries, uh, and, and millions of um, employee surveys. And um, the, the, the research that comes back is quite frightening. It says that uh, 15%, 1-5% of people are fully engaged in the work they do. <laughs> and you go, you're having a laugh. 15%. Wow. So what they're saying is 85% of people are not fully engaged in the work they do. Mm. You know, their job's worth. It, I'm, you know, Gallup don't use that language. And I'm sure that's not the case in the UK. In isolation, I'm sure the number that will be better than stronger than that. Um, pretty confident. Uh, but Gallup don't isolate the UK numbers, so it's hard to hard to see. Um, and I'm certain that in a professional service world like accountancy, the numbers will be higher again than the, than the UK. But even if we get them up to 50% or 60% or even 70% fully engaged, there's still, you know, 30% of people not entirely engaged in the work they do. Wow. Well, what if um, having crystal clear strategy shared with the team, um, you know, like you say, refreshed every year, it's not just a one-off thing. <clears throat> and I don't think uh, a, a refresh every year is enough. And I'll bounce that question. I've got three questions for you now, Douglas. I'm banking <laughs> them up. Um, um, is, is enough? And certainly it's, um, it, it's not enough for me. Uh, so, uh, so there's that. Um, I think strategy is a vehicle to use uh, uh, that that enables us to tap into greater resources within our team, mm. and if we can tap into those resources, even if um, we haven't got crystal clear path as to where we're going, but we've we've got enough that taps into that energy and those resources and the motivation and drive, then uh, all of our businesses are going to be better anyway. Okay. Um, so let let me pose a question to you because I've I've um, there's a few hanging there. One's on um, on, on on values, which isn't about vision and goals it's about behavior standards what, mm. what how important do you think that is as a, as a as a cornerstone of strategy um well i think it's crucial paul i think value firstly what do we mean by values in my head values is your your code of conduct um if you like it, nice. it tells people um you know so they know how to behave I think that would mm. be a, a nice way to put it as well. And of course, you know, at a certain level, everybody knows how to behave. But um, what we're doing is isolating certain things. What we're doing is isolating certain things that um, that really provides a lot of direction, um, a framework, if you if you like, in terms of um, expected behaviour from people. So, and and it informs. Um, 
not just the 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 internal team. Um, I think there's a far wider application with values that that people overlook. Um, for example, in recruitment, uh, if we have a very strong values um, suite, if you like, then it gives us a, a real benchmark against which we can gauge um, potential new recruits. So mm. suddenly we're not just looking at technical competence, we're looking at how are they going to fit in here? You know, what, what are they going to bring that sits within that current value set that gives us comfort that we've got the right person? So it really mm. gives a, an additional framework. And I think what, what businesses have been doing of late, um, Paul, you know, let's call this the, the 21st century business model, they're, they're taking their values outside the organization. So they're being very explicit to the outside world uh, about what their expectations are of their people. Now, mm. you know, it's a really interesting move, that, isn't it? But I think it's a, a really shrewd move because um, why shouldn't we be proud about how we treat our people or what our expectations are of our people? Um, so values, I think, are one. I would put them in the top three cornerstones of, of any um, business planning strategy as uh, one of the key things to get right within a business. Mm. But is, isn't this another one of those, uh, yeah, let's let, let's get clear on our values and, and, and let's put it on a, a nice plaque in the office and in reception and on our website um, and then forget about it. Isn't isn't that sort of what happens with values? It can be. And and um, let's be clear, we've seen that, um, you know, in, in a number of occasions. Um, but equally, it's also very visible in firms that get it right the dramatic difference that it can make. And yes, we're talking genuine ROI here. Um, you know, the, the, the values that are lived um, mm. are, are values that are properly inculcated within a business. So the paper exercise... Hang on a second. Hang on, hang on. Inculcated. Too many um, uh, 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 syllables for me. What do you mean inculcated? Uh, embedded. <laughs> uh, yeah let's let's say embedded um lived lived is probably more straightforward um, properly being lived and, and what do we mean by that we mean that they're um that they're being lived and exhibited every day and that the behavior that we're the explicit behavior that's being looked for in the values is being sought out and demonstrated and reinforced on a daily basis. It's that it's important yeah. to, to get it right. So it's almost like, um, you know, a, a, let's call it a scorecard. I'm not sure if that's the right connotation though, Paul, but let's stick with that just now. It's almost like having a scorecard where we're, we're actively measuring and seeking out those behaviours in people, reinforcing them when we see them done properly, and also the, the flip side, holding people to account when we see behaviours which don't follow the values. Which I think, um, you know, accountability is uh, uh, something people shy away from, Douglas. You know, accountability to performance numbers is, is hard enough, but accountability to uh, behavioural standards where there isn't hard measurements attached is arguably even harder um, so let's talk about that then, Paul, in relation to uh, accountants in particular, because, you know, let's be clear, um, in, in terms of uh, an accountant's training and background and qualifications and, 
Um, you know, the, the way that they are, it's, it's all about the numbers, isn't it? So when we're talking about, um, as we are here, humanising the numbers and bringing a, a behavioural element to, um, you know, to our firms, how, how easy is that for them? Well, it's not. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy. But I guess, you know, this conversation's, you know, strategy is not easy. Yeah. You know, establishing a set of values isn't easy. Holding people to account to a set of values is, is harder still. Mm. Um, but I think, um, I, I think if, you, if that's a, a question sort of a, that you, you, you're posing, I think there's... Um, it, it's... I think a good question to ask is, how do we hang on to our best people and recruit mm. more brilliant people? Yeah. And, and then you go, right, well, um, if we've recruited the right brilliant people that fit with our values and we fail to um, uh, uphold those behavioural standards in someone else in the team, we're sending a message to all of our best people that we're not serious. Mm. And therefore run the risk of... Um, you know, if not losing our best people, then certainly demotivating or demoralising them uh, to some degree and therefore are no longer tapping into their full resources and capabilities and motivations. Um, so I think, uh, and, and there's some interesting research in um, uh, that David Meister did a couple of decades ago, um, who was, you know, recognised as one of the uber gurus of the professional service world um, in uh, his uh, research that he published in a book called Practice What You Preach. And um, there was uh, four cornerstones. And, um, and, and if you're going to ask me what the four are, I might struggle. But I know one of the cornerstones was um, the perception of standards of our fellow colleagues. Mm. And it's, you know, what standards? Standards to the behaviours that we agree are the right behaviours in our firm. And, yeah. you know, when that was high, the performance of the firms was 20%, 30% higher than the norm. Yeah. And and okay, I'm 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 um, that's that's anecdotally referring to a book I read, you know, tw you know, 15 years ago. Um, but I do refer back to it often, you know. So there's a um, and and a, I have I can recall all four because I I used to go from st from stages. This is what David Meister says. He says, what you should do is sack your people, and that's a you know, S A C C. Um, so the four cornerstones of high-performing professional service firms were, were make sure you've got um, and build a sense of satisfaction within your team and that was make sure you've got the right people on the right seats mm -hmm. on your bus in your business you know square peg square hole so someone who's not comfortable uh, communicating with clients uh, mm -hmm. don't put them in a highly focused client conversation role yeah. so there's that you know square peg square hole bit satisfaction um, a sense of accomplishment um, C commitment of our colleagues and the other C is make sure there's a sense of challenge Okay. And um, and and I think you know that commitment from colleagues taps into this values conversation and the accountability piece, which isn't easy, but does pay off. There is an ROI in the way you can keep and tap into the resources of your best people, and yeah. maybe set your firm up to recruit other brilliant people into the uh, firm as well. And of course, that that kind of echoes the um, Sorota research as well, doesn't it, Paul? Where absolutely, you know, the the three criteria were very similar. If I recall a sense of fairness, a sense of achievement, and a sense of camaraderie. And, yeah. and what really came to mind there was the, um, you know, the, the sense of um, unfairness if people yeah. aren't being held well to account said. for their behaviour, isn't it? So that yeah, impacts well on, on the top people. They see yeah, yeah, yeah. poor behaviour um, or 
anti-values behaviour being yeah. accepted, and, and that's what switches them off. Is that fair? Yeah, it is fair, absolutely. So let's just go Sirota research. 13.6 uh, million employee surveys. This is not like a Gallup study of 500. This is the biggest research study I've been able to find into the uh, into high performance high performing teams. Um, and yeah, they say there's you know there's three things: sense of fairness, as you say, sense of achievement, sense of camaraderie. But of all three, the, if you haven't got a sense of fairness, you don't stand a chance of building a sense of achievement or a sense of camaraderie. And one of the you know what are the cornerstones of a sense of uh, fairness? Well, people are paid fairly. And there's, there's a number of elements to that. People feel their jobs are safe, which in the current economic climate is a bit of a challenge, but there's, you know, there's work that we can do. Um, and people are treated equally mm. to a set of standards. So I think you're right. But if I can just twist this conversation into a slightly different direction, uh, Douglas, which is one of the other questions that flagged up in my head. So you posed, you, you quizzed me around... Uh, uh, why strategies worked for me in terms of tapping into energy and resources. And, and I said, well, we've got a, a, a crystal clear view now as to what we stand for, which is, mm -hmm. you know, humanise the numbers, connect people up with numbers in a better, deeper way, and then all of a sudden you stand a chance of tapping into a greater resource than you ever, ever, ever would have done, which enables you to transform your practice. Okay, so um, shouldn't... Firms of accountants have some crystal clarity, therefore. Strategy isn't part of strategy getting clear on what the core promise, core purpose of their firm is. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think um, it, it's a really interesting point because, um, you know, for many accountants, um, having, a, having a sense of purpose is not really something that they've thought about before. Um, you know, a, a first oh, response... Oh, no, I disagree. I disagree. I no, disagree. I, 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 let I, me explain I, where I'm coming no, from. Because no, no, I'm going to... If I was... You know, it's uh, isn't the purpose to make money, Douglas? Um, well, yeah. And, and I think, you know, when we, when we ask accountants questions like that, that's one of the answers that we get. Um, but when we change the question, Paul, and, and ask them, you know, why, why do you really exist? You know, what... What do you want to be known for? Deeper questions around business that, that maybe personalise it um, to them. You know, why do you get out of bed every morning? And, and once you get past the, the glib answers about making money and, you know, to do accounts and blah, 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 um, what, you know, what, what we've found is that a lot of accountants actually do have a deep-seated purpose. Um, you know, they'll answer that question by saying things like, well, I, I want to help my clients. I want to see my clients succeed. I want to, you know, help that family business that's been around for 80 years carry on for another 80 years. You know, most, when you tap into it, really do have a deep-seated sense of purpose around what they do. They don't articulate it the best way, and they certainly don't lead with it in terms of their messaging, um, and I think the, the, um, the, the challenge for the profession as a whole is to start uncovering messages like that because they create a real emotional connection, not just with clients and with team members, but with the owners themselves. Because, you know, let's be clear, as a business owner, we can sometimes get disconnected from the very reason that we started up in the first place. Mm. We forget. Now, in all the busyness. Yeah, yeah. we're just busy, 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 busy. We're, we're too yeah, busy yeah. doing, and we accept um, too, too readily that our lot is to 
work seven days a week for a pittance of a pay. That that just seems to be the acceptance that that's life as an SME business owner. Well, it doesn't have to be that way. And I think what we're, you know, what we're finding is that businesses with a really strong sense of purpose, um, you know, it's been proven in, in numerous studies that they grow exponentially faster than those that are just commercial-led. And it may be, uh, Paul, that, that that sense of purpose... I think, you know, a, a better way to describe it might be um, a North Star. You know, it's always there, it's in the sky. If we're ever in any doubt about where we're going, let's mm. find the North Star again. Mm. And, and it then provides a really interesting reference point for decision-making. You know, when we're when we're day to day absorbed in what we're doing, sometimes we're challenged with situations and whatnot, and just occasionally looking at the North Star might inform our decision. And then when we go back to our conversation of a few minutes ago around values, values also then provides great input to that decision making process. So suddenly yeah, you've yeah. got two reference points that you may not have. Um, you, you may have had subconsciously, but because they're now fully articulated and, and up front and centre and visible, suddenly they provide a real framework and reference point for any decision making. Now, if that yeah, applies like that. to like that. us as a business owner, um, how powerful can it be for our teams as well? Mm. Now, well, I think, you know, we, 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 you, know you, you posed the question at the beginning of this around, you know, why, why is it accountants avoid strategy? And my answer was to a degree because it's a load of words, no ROI, that, and, and it's a document that gathers dust. Well, actually, if, if a good strategic process enables you to get crystal clear on the core purpose, the core promise of your business, and also crystal clear on the um, behavioural standards, the behavioural values that you've got for your business, and those things show up every week in the firm, you know, yeah. that's, not, that's not gathering dust, is it? It's actually, it's influenced every decision. Not every decision, but, you know, key jugular decisions. It, it could be every decision. Um, but it's influencing decisions on a daily, weekly, monthly basis and therefore influencing action on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. That's not strategy gathering dust. That's strategy coming to life. Yeah, absolutely. It? It's, uh, it, yeah. I, I think that's, uh, that, that, that's stunning, that is. Uh, it's... Um, I'm reminded of um, uh, Peter Drucker, who's arguably, you know, the, the most referenced um, uh, business mentor, guide, coach, consultant, whatever you want to call him. And um, uh, he talks about uh, uh, our team being volunteers. We have to treat our team like volunteers, just mm. as we as business owners are volunteers as opposed to employees and he even extends that and says look you know you know people volunteer for stuff not to earn money they volunteer to do things because they care deeply about what it is they're, they're they're doing whether it be a an environmental project the local sports club um yeah. you know a, a, a church group what a book club what, whatever it is mm. you know people invest time effort and energy you know you know that it means a lot to them for no pay. Yeah, absolutely, and, uh, Paul. and that's what we're looking to tap into, isn't it? There's an ROI there. If we can get into that with our team by of having to doing the hard miles, strategic miles, strategic work yeah. in working out what that crystal clear purpose or promise is, and then we we'll, uh, again we stand a chance of um, you know elevating the drive 
energy, enthusiasm for what we're doing as a firm, for ourselves as business owners and leaders, for our team, for our customers as well, because I think your point earlier about values is important. We need to go public. We need to yeah. share. We need to almost campaign what it is we stand for, what is our central purpose, and what our values are. And, 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 and as opposed to it just being a framed piece in reception or a page on your website, because that just looks like marketing BS to me. Yeah, I, I think the, the 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 beauty about going public with it, Paul, is um, you know there's a number of facets to it, but a couple that I'd like to pick up on is one, um, it it's it's a very visible way of telling the world what you're about. Um, mm. So that that in itself breeds accountability, and and in the in the world that we're in just now. Um, People can deep dive on you, uh, you and your business um, effortlessly. So mm. they, they can find out very, very quickly whether or not your, um, you know, your purpose message is authentic or not. Now, this is a really interesting um, point where, where we've seen some surveys where some businesses have treated it as marketing BS and yeah. they've been found out very, very quickly, and it's mm-hmm. actually negatively impacted the brand significantly. Have you, negatively. Got, uh, have you got an example, Douglas? Yeah, there, there's been a few. Well, if we if we look at um, e- even in the pandemic, um, Paul, I think we saw a number of examples of purpose-led businesses who reacted um, naturally and and mm. wanted to help out because they were purpose led i'm i'm thinking of um you know people like brewdog or or leon the fast food um company where they they shifted their focus temporarily just to help out in brewdog's case it was be, uh, it was um, hand sanitizer uh, in leon's case it was distributing food to uh, to key workers and care workers um because that was what was needed at the time you're going to no. love this, Douglas. You're going to love this. I uh-huh. did um, uh, in, in doing some um, background research into the, the, the purpose piece, which you know I've been doing. Um, there was a there was a there was a line on the uh, Leon website and uh, connected with their purpose, and and the line was if God did fast food, dot dot dot, <laughs> and you go, oh, how cool is that? <laughs> so their purpose is you know if, so if if God did fast food, then. Um, They'd um, rewire the logistics that feed all of their restaurants in order to feed the NHS, which is exactly what they did. And if God did fast food, they'd look after the planet. And, you know, Leon's food is, uh, you know, focused that way, Um, as opposed to what would be a a, a counter uh, version of that. You know, the opposite, if you get it wrong and it's just a um, BS marketing tagline type thing. Well, you look at... Is there an um, example there? Look at companies like Weatherspoons, um, where um, you know the the way that they were seen to be treating their people um, was uh, you know they, they generated a significant backlash um, you know and and even now to this day I meet people who are saying I'll I'll never drink in a Weatherspoons again yeah now yeah. because this, they just got the message wrong because they're not yep. really um, you know it was a focus on making money as opposed to maybe Absolutely. as opposed to uh, focus on something that was um, deep meaningful worthwhile worthy of worthy of notice um, yeah exactly yeah, very good all right Douglas I think yeah we, we need to um to, to wrap this up so we've covered quite a lot of elements of um what strategy is but I guess we've we've not gone well I, 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 how do we define it how do how do we define strategy and I, I you know I think for me it's um 
it's got to come to life on a daily weekly basis in a firm and you know we've talked about how that happens around a central purpose core purpose what you stand for what difference do you want to make in the world as an accountancy firm in your community we talked about values being uh, lived on a on on a daily basis, acknowledging the challenges and and trends that are you know you you know mm. we would talk about inevitable trends and, and unyielding uh, unyielding uh, 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 rocks the things you call them uh, you know we call them things stable in time um, so the, the, these aren't um, airy fairy um, un- intangible things they're really quite concrete yeah that facilitate and help uh the the firms uh install and implement because isn't strategy something that you know when you talk about living values uh it's something that has to come to life hasn't it Uh, yeah and and it's a really good point um paul to avoid the the very thing that you talked about earlier which is you know a piece of paper gathering dust on the shelf um you know that that's the danger of just um, creating a, a strategic picture, if you like. Um, mm. So there's a number of elements to it which you've touched on. Purpose uh, is is most definitely one, and, and values provides that behavioural framework. There's a couple of others that I wanted to touch on, if I can. Um, I think... You know, one of the one of the cornerstones as well is knowing how you'll succeed, um, which you you could probably subdivide and into um you know knowing exactly what you do and how you're doing it so what but also it's where you're going as well isn't it because success you've got to have a reference point so it's get get clear on where you're going yeah but you're not talking about that particularly i.e what what is it you're trying to get to no i i am i i am embedding the um the, the kind of vision piece as well paul but i think the first of all knowing exactly what you do is is quite an interesting one isn't it because a lot of people tend to default to, um, well, I'm an accountant, so I do accounts. Um, whereas actually, um, you know, maybe the question should be, what business are you in? And and if we frame the question in that way, sometimes we might take ourselves to a different a different place. Um, mm. You know, what business are accountants in? They're in the professional service business. In, in my view, which um, automatically then has connotations of serving clients and mm. being very client focused and mm. taking the accent away from the product or the output of of what we do. Um, mm. So, so being really clear about that can can help businesses. But I want to touch on the the the, the one area um, which I think is the. It, it's almost like the bridge between strategy and being able to implement on a day-to-day basis. And we call that knowing what's important right mm. now. Now, you know, there, there's a lot of research gone into um, uh, what we call OKRs, objectives and, and key results. Uh, a lot of the big companies, Google, um, you know, Amazon, they, they follow a model where they look every quarter What's important right now? Now, it's not just acknowledging, um, you know, a a set of priorities to deal with the here and now. It's also with a look at that five-year picture of where Mm. we want to go. It's it's looking at the vision. It's checking the values. um, And then it's acknowledging the current challenges and risks. And within that whole framework, it's Mm. deciding, okay, within that framework, what's our top priority for the next three months. Now, mm. you know, 
Paul, you know, when, when firms have done this properly, you know, what number of OKRs are we actually talking about here? Are we talking about a suite of a dozen? Or, you know, what, what's the right number? Well, it's never more than three. Yeah. And it's never more than three just because, uh, you know, people's bandwidth is, uh, is, is already committed. You know, we've, everyone's got a day job. You know, that they're responsible to deliver results on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly basis. Um, which is the nuts and bolts of, um, you know, earning the money, doing right by your customer, uh, you know, daily, weekly, monthly. Um, uh, the Strategically, though, is uh, if all we do is the, you know, what we do daily, weekly, monthly, and don't do something which moves the business forward, by definition, what actually you're doing is you're moving the business, you're moving your firm backwards. Yeah. You know, there's, standing still is not an option. You, you've got to be, you know, responding to the trends, you know, the, the, the key influences, whether it be the shift in technology, the shift towards environmental consciousness, the shift towards whatever. You know, there's mm. lots of things influencing people's attitudes and ap approaches to the way they're living their lives and therefore the way they're buying their products and services. And so you, you've got to acknowledge all of that. Uh, ignore it and you become less and less relevant to your customers. You know, strategy has got to make your firm as relevant in five years' time, three years' time, two years' time, one year' time to, to, your, to your clients and yeah. your community. And um, what I find interesting in what you just said, and I know we chew the fat over this quite, quite often, is what, what we've essentially done on this discussion is go, uh, strategy isn't something that gathers dust. It's, yes, you have a kickstart, kickstart process that defines the strategy of the firm, you know, long-term, big picture, you know, blank piece of paper thinking that creates a vision and a set of values and a central theme and purpose for the business, acknowledges the challenges and risks that you, the business faces, you know, um, takes into account the trends and shifts that are taking place so that we, we remain relevant. And, and then we refresh it once a year. But actually, what you've just said is every quarter, we make sure we do one, two or three things every quarter that moves us along our path towards our vision. Yeah. And then and if you do that, there's no way there's no chance of your investment in time and money around strategy. It, there's no way it's going to gather dust because mm. it's the values are coming to life every day, every week, every month. You know, the, the, the central purpose and uh, central promise of the business of the firm is is alive and living. It's not just a tagline. It's not BS, it is real, it's genuine, it's authentic. Um, and it sounds as though what we've done is had a conversation about building in deep-rooted health into the firm of accountants. Mm. You know, we're talking about the health of business. Just yeah. like um, as a human being, we need to um, drink water, yes, uh, good food, do exercise and not over-consume but consume the right things, do the right exercise, uh, emotionally connect with the people we love and so there's lots of things that contribute to a healthy rounded individual, likewise there's lots of things that contribute to a healthy and rounded business that you can be proud of that achieves the results because we've not talked much about profit here but ultimately you know, profit, cash and capital value growth comes from where? Comes from doing the right things and actually, the healthier the business, the um, more you're going to be able to enjoy it, as well as feel pride towards what you've achieved uh, for yourselves, your colleagues, your team, your employees, you and your clients and your community as well. Yeah. That's been brilliant, Douglas. Thank you for uh, acting as a sounding board. I'm not sure who was leading that, but it doesn't matter, does it? It just, uh, just <laughs> felt like a really healthy capture of... Um, 
and summary as to what, what, what strategy actually means. Have you got any parting shots? I really enjoyed it, Paul. It was a good uh, good exploration of it, and I think your your summary at the end there was really good um, in in terms of the impact that it has on not just on you as a business owner, but on your clients and on your team and on your community. So mm. yeah, really really yeah, nice brilliant. exposition there. You know, if there was an action for people to take, is it just Google firms of endearment? Mm. So just Google Firms of Endeavour, and it's a whole suite of businesses that have got connected to their team, connected to their central purpose. And if you scroll down the homepage, you'll see a graph, and it compares the performance of Firms of Endeavour with the uh, performance of the good to great companies mm-hmm. from Jim Collins's research, which uh, you know shows firms uh, outperforming their best and most effective uh, competitor. I think he, he, he talks about 11 companies in that. Um, and then the um, S&P Stock Exchange Index, and it compares and contrasts. Just have a look at how, over a 15-year window, uh, how the firms of endearment perform against the other two categories. It's, um, and it's, there's, it, it, it's sort of American in its bias, but they do look at international companies as well, so there's an international index, hmm. and that compared with the good to great index compared with the S&P over a 15-year window is fascinating. That being, wow. it's, you know, it, it takes a minute to Google it and just scroll down and have a look and you'll see that actually strategically, if you get your act together, uh, what's possible. Yeah. Brilliant. Really enjoyed it today, Douglas. Thank you very much. Thank you. Douglas and I have just talked about the core elements of strategy in overview, really. What you can now do is dive into the series, the ACCA series on strategy, which cover each of those core elements in more detail, actually in discussion with accountancy firms who are either on the path to installing those elements of strategy or have already put them into place. Go to the show notes for this podcast and click the link to get access to the full series on strategy for accountants. You can also sign up to be notified each time a new podcast is made available.